Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Good morning and welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett, I'm the CEO and founder over at Wildman Web Solutions. We're a digital marketing company here in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, and we do this live stream every week, every Wednesday at 11, uh, to answer your questions. So we're live streaming to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Um, and this is an open Q&A, so feel free to jump in at any point, put your questions in the comments below, or if you're catching this video later, you can email your questions to askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I do have that address scrolling below me in that crawler here. All right, joining me on the show today, as always, Mike. Mike, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, Miles, but getting better by the minute. And can I tell you why I'm doing so great today, Miles? Please. Well, it's a very, very special day in America. Uh, it is the day before the Masters Tournament starts. So we are <laughs> going to be uh, glued to Augusta, Georgia, uh, over here at Wildman West uh, office for the, for the remainder of the week. Uh, we're going to be trying to get a lot of work done, but we're also going to be watching quite a bit of golf as uh, we had to wait seven extra months this year to enjoy the Masters tournament. My personally, my favorite Masters. Um, I'm, I'm hoping Jeff will join us today so we can talk a little bit of golf later on in the show, but uh, that's what's got me so man. happy right now. I'll just, I'll just jump off. You guys can talk golf. Uh, this will not be a tech conversation today. They'll be talking <laughs> about hitting small balls very far. Uh, at least I warned you. <laughs> All right. So like I said, this is an open Q&A, so feel free to jump in at any point. Um, if you have any experience dealing with what we're talking about, if you have any questions or anything on technology, marketing, business, or anything else, uh, throw those questions in the comments uh, and we'll address them as best as we can. Okay. So had a couple of questions come up here. I'm going to go ahead and start with um, over the last week or so. Um, and then we'll we'll go ahead and hit the uh, questions in the comments over here. But um, one thing that came up was uh, email security. Um, so I had a, a client actually ask this question. I thought it was pretty pertinent. And some people might have seen it before. Um, that is, what is DMARC? Was the question D M A R C? Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and really quickly just hit. Um, email security, and there's three settings there that you really should know about. You may have seen these pop up before. Um, in this one, you got a solicitous email saying, hey, you should set this setting on your email. Um, and those three settings are SPF, DKIM, and DMARC, uh, or DMARC, whatever you want to say there. Um, so SPF is the sender policy framework. Uh, DKIM is domain keys, identity, mail, uh, or identified mail, something like that. Um, and then the DMARC is domain-based uh, message authentication. Basically, all of this is your signature on your email, on your domain email. You'll need to set these up if you have a at your domain email. So we have um, 
at wildmanweb.com, miles at wildmanweb, mike at wildmanweb. Um, so we needed to set these uh, settings so that um, recipients knew that this was actually coming from us. It's verifying that it's coming from our actual domain. It's actually coming from us, coming from a real human, um, not a robot, not um, some sort of automated email system or something. And you'll run into problems with this if you're doing any kind of email marketing or any kind of automation where you're not actually the one setting, sending emails. If you don't have these settings set up properly, then your recipients will um, either not get your emails or they'll just automatically be put into spam um, or they could get flagged. Um, worst case scenario, you're getting flagged by a big uh, email recipient like Gmail or Google, and they're gonna just uh, blacklist your domain entirely. So no one can get emails from you. So uh, that doesn't really happen a whole lot, but that is worst case scenario. Um, more often or not, you're just gonna get marked as spam coming in. So you need to make sure to have these settings set up properly. Um, it looks kind of technical, uh, but it's really just managing your DNS settings. So if you go to your domain registrar, that can be Google or GoDaddy or Namecheap or whatever, go into manage your DNS settings. Um, then you'll just have to add a couple of records in there. A quick Google search will show you how to do that, or uh, you can grab someone like me to help you get those set up. But you want to set up those three settings, SPF, DKIM, and the DMARC. Um, those will just be a couple of text records, again, just verifying that you actually own the domain, that those emails are actually coming from you, um, and that you know this is an authenticated source. Please don't mark me as spam. That's, what, that's really what you're saying there. Um, and it's also just uh, good for email security, because if you don't have that and you're not verifying that emails can, uh, are coming from you, then someone else could send emails on your behalf through your email. It's called email spoofing. So other people could be getting um, solicitous emails, emails with viruses, uh, malware emails, whatever, from your actual domain. So it would say at, it would say, you know, miles at Wildman Web, but it's not actually coming from me. It's someone else sending out spam on my account. Um, <clears throat> this is even less likely, uh, but it is, it is possible. Especially if you have a big domain, um, you know, get a lot of traffic, you have a national website or something like that, you know, make sure to have these settings set up there. Um, or your customers or people who know you could be getting emails apparently from you that are actually just virus links. Um, so that's my, uh, my technical bit for the day. I think uh, just basic email security. If you have any questions on any of that or you want me to go into more depth, uh, let me know. Are there, are there certain platforms that are more secure than others, Miles? Uh, this isn't really a matter of platform. It's just your domain settings. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're using you know, Outlook for your email or Gmail for your email. It's all going through your domain. So it's all in your domain settings. And it doesn't matter where you have it registered. If you have your domain registered at Google Domains or at GoDaddy or Namecheap or wherever, um, it's still the same setting. So this is the same everywhere. Um, it's not really a matter of platforms or, or how secure they are or anything. You just need this basic email security. If someone set up your email client for you, most likely they probably did these settings for you, um, but it would be um, 
probably a good idea to check if you know how to log into your domain. Just click on that Manage DNS button, button wherever it is, and look for something. It literally will have SPF in it, DKM in it, in the record somewhere. Um, so you should see those three there. If you're missing any one of them, then there's a potential vulnerability. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I was asking. Is does it matter? Yeah, which which platform we're using? No, no, it doesn't matter. It's everywhere. Um, it's just a good idea. Good idea for everyone to do, but especially if you're doing any kind of email marketing, you will need to do that, or you're just going to end up in people's spam folders. Got it. All right. Uh, next question. Like I said, this is an open conversation. Throw so so throw your questions. Good morning, in Mr. Comment. Fry. <laughs> we see yes, some... yes, we don't worry. We'll talk some golf later. We get we gotta get we'll get a little business out of the way just to humor Miles though. I, I do appreciate that. Yep. Here's a here's Jeff. We'll feature him for just a moment. Him and his dog. All about the masters. Okay, what other questions do we have here? Let's see. Should I worry about oversaturate? I'm guessing that should be oversaturating. Should I worry about oversaturating the market with advertising? Uh, Mike is our marketing specialist. I'll toss that one to you. Good question, Miles. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to have to say it depends. Um, it's you know, it's another one of those ones where it's hard to give a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, yes, it is possible. Uh, whether or not you're doing it, whether or not it's something that you need to be concerned about, is 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 a question that uh, really we, we have to dive into your business to figure out. But I'll give you the kind of the parameters around the thinking here. Um, and what they're really asking, you know, it, it goes back to uh, the old advertising metrics of reach and frequency, uh, which most of us know, but I'll, I'll cover them in case we don't. Uh, reach is the number of people that we are able to get our message out to, and frequency is the number of times that we're able to uh, have that message serve to that same number of people. So obviously, it usually takes more than once uh, to you know somebody to hear your message in order to react to it. But the number of times that it takes for your message to be heard in order for somebody to react to it really matters on what your message is, what your business category is, where your audience is, where they are in the buying funnel, all of these things that, that we, we talk about um, kind of you know, disconnected uh, a lot of times here on the show, but it all comes in, and melts down together uh, into this question of frequency. So couple big picture ideas uh, market voice takes market share so you know if you're going to err on one side of this of this uh, uh, dilemma I, I would certainly err on the side of more market voice in being more annoying um, you know we can all think of commercials that heard too many times and you know god why do they keep running that ad I, I know it I can memorize it um, I can sing the slogan, right? Uh, you know, all of these things. Uh, and sometimes they're annoying on purpose, so we remember them. And that's all done on purpose because it's penetrating, uh, it's penetrating our frontal lobe, it's penetrating our brain, it's penetrating our, our, uh, our top of mind awareness, Toma. And it's creating a place inside of there where we have to think around that brand when we're thinking about a category. Um, you know, people will say, well, why, why does the, you know, why does the uh, car dealer run so many more ads than everybody else? 
Well, this is another part of it. How long is the buying funnel of a car dealership? It's really long, right? We don't buy cars every day. We don't buy cars every year. Most people, I think, buy cars something like every five to seven years. It's a very long buying funnel. So they have to talk to us more because sleep is the great eraser. And if somebody else, if they're not talking to us, somebody else is. And so we're gonna, they're gonna lose that Toma, we're gonna lose that top of mind awareness. Uh, if somebody's selling tacos, we could eat tacos three times a day. So it, it's a very, very short buying funnel. I don't need the same amount of frequency perhaps as I do for the car dealer. Uh, so these are things that we have to take into account when we're answering that question. Uh, but like I said, if I was gonna err on this side of it, uh, I would definitely want people to think, God, that company is so annoying. But then every time they think about the category, they instinctively think about that company uh, rather than I've never heard about that company, right? <laughs> because if, if we're not in the very top of the funnel, at least, then we're not even in the game. We have no shot of, get, of getting that customer. Uh, so the good news is this is a lot easier to track uh, than it used to be. You know, when we were doing traditional media, it was really hard, uh, if not sometimes impossible. Uh, to really figure out what the frequency was. Now, there was all kinds of mechs and things like that to try to gauge the frequency. Um, a lot of it was probably BS. Uh, but the good news is today, with uh, digital marketing especially, we can really find out exactly what the frequency is in an audience that we're advertising to. And your, your main frequency or your optimized frequency may be eight times. For another business, it may be three times. Uh, but you should, through your marketing and through your studying of your analytics that you get back to your marketing, you should start to understand that. And you should start to formulate, you know, a, um, a pattern there and, and figure out that, hey, actually, we don't convert near as well until we get four times an impression or four times a message within an audience as we do when we have less than four. And then we can, as, as you, you know, with the marketing team or either internally or externally, you can craft your campaign to make sure that your target audience is always getting that message at least four times. So you're optimizing your campaign to get more conversions. Um, and, and that's, you know, unfortunately something that a lot of times we have to just do through trial and error and find out. Uh, but it all comes down to your message. It all comes down really to your offer. You know, if I'm uh, selling Corvettes for a nickel, I can walk down or I probably have to drive down the street, but I could drive down the street to the radio station down there and I could hop on KLWN and I could say at one time, I could say Dale Willie is giving away Corvettes for a nickel. And by God, Dale Willie would be out of Corvettes within 20 minutes, right? I mean, it would just, it would be a flood would descend upon Dale Willie's parking lot. But if I walked down or drove down to the radio station and I got on the air and I just said, Dale Willie has Corvettes for sale. They cost $60,000 and we've been here since 1971. Probably a flood of people aren't gonna descend upon the Dale Willie parking lot today, right? I have to say that over and over and over and hopefully I had, I say it a little better than that. Uh, I'm being a little facetious with the messaging, but uh, you know, I have to say that message over and over and over and over and over and over again and wait for the customer to be in the, in the proper buying funnel position in order to take advantage of that offer. So that's an extreme example, but I hope that that can, uh, you know, paint a picture in your mind of how important it is of what the message is and what the offer is to the number of times that you have to say that offer 
in order to get somebody to understand it and actually take advantage of it and and, um, and convert. So so that that's why it's it's a depends type of an answer. But uh, you know, if I had, like I said, if I was going to err on it, I would really, really err on the side of oversaturation than undersaturation, uh, because it's, if you have a great message and if you're providing value, then people won't see that message necessarily as annoying, but they will have a great, much greater chance of remembering it. So, now, <laughs> my extension um, on that, and want to get your thoughts on this. So we, we talk about the marketing funnel a lot, um, and I know you've explained it. Uh, in in depth on this show before, so if you're interested, go back and watch some of um, some of our older shows. But you know, basically, we're talking about a a funnel shaped um, strategy. So at the top, you have the biggest section. You're communicating to the largest amount of people, and then as you continue talking to them, you're narrowing down your audience further and further and further, pulling them further down until finally you're doing some sort of conversion there at the end. Ultimately, you're asking them for the sale, say buy my stuff, whatever that is. Um, but there is a problem there in that if there's a weakness anywhere in that marketing funnel, then what you're doing is you're advertising for your competitors. So you can be bringing a lot of people into the top of your funnel, pulling a lot of those people down in the middle, and then tossing it there at the end to the bottom of someone else's funnel. I was wondering if you had any thoughts or tips on avoiding that kind of problem, um, especially uh, more uh, particularly using uh, digital marketing, using our, our tech stack over here, since we are a digital company over here, um, to avoid marketing for your competitors. That's a good question, Miles. Uh, let, let me back up for one second, you know, and just because I did have this notebook handy uh, that I, I think oh, this is the show that I... Yes, yes. I, I think I busted this out on, on a show but once before, but this is just a crude version of, of a buying funnel or a sales funnel there. Uh, you can understand what we're talking about if you're not familiar with it. But yeah, so what Miles was saying is what if, what if I get somebody down to here and they go sideways or down to here and they go sideways, right? And, and they go to my competition. Well, that's certainly uh, going to happen. You know, I mean, I don't know if we'll not ever be able to completely eliminate that from happening. But to me, that is really a question. Uh, I mean, it's a question about the, the, the sales funnel for sure, but it's also a question about your marketing bridge and about the real interactions that uh, your, your consumer or your audience is having, not only with the brand itself, with the messaging, but with the physical location, with the website, with the app, with the customer service people on the telephone, you know, all of those things come into play now, when we have somebody down here in, in this kind of mid bottom of the funnel stage, because this is the stage where they really decide, who am I going to do business with? They already have they've made the decision that I need a plumber, I need an electrician, I need an insurance agent, whatever it is. Now it's really down to, okay, who am I going to select? And oftentimes it comes down to how we treat the customer how the customer feels like that they are being responded to, how they feel like that their needs are being met. And, and that to me is really a question about the marketing bridge and making sure that your messaging is on point with what the customer is going to experience and that there's not a disconnect between those two things. Because if there's a disconnect between those two things, that's the easiest way to get me to go to the competition because I've already been sold on the product, I've already been sold on the service, I've already been sold on da 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 da, I've already understand that this is what my need will be. 
but somebody else might be able to serve it better. And, and so at that point, you know, I'm not going to say that, that the, the marketing you know, uh, or the advertising is, is obsolete, but to me, it's, it's second in command to that frontline experience, whatever that is, you know, whether that's an in-store experience or a mobile app, or like I said, just getting somebody on the phone. Um, if that goes sideways, there's not a lot that great advertising and marketing can do uh, to keep that client happy. Um, and, and sometimes it can even have the reverse effect. You know, like we've talked about before, if you say in your advertising that you have the friendliest service in town, and then your your customer uh, is gets treated you know by a jerk when they interact with your with your company, they're going to be way more upset probably because part of the reason that they chose to interact with you was because of that promise that you put out there. You're so friendly. So that can certainly cause an adverse reaction and get somebody to, uh, to go the other way uh, to your competition. So how do we shore up our marketing bridge? It starts with really being honest with ourselves and really having outside feedback coming into the company, I feel like. And the nice thing is, uh, that's easier, you know, done these days uh, than, it, than it was a lot of times in the past is that we can get a lot of good feedback from people. We can't have a great one-on-one uh, -on -one engagement with people, whether that's through social media, um, through surveys, through reviews, uh, through email lists, you know, all kinds of ways that we can get feedback from people. The problem is I don't know uh, how well that feedback is sometimes filtered internally in the company. And then, uh, you know, executed back out uh, to in order to uh, create a better customer experience. I think the good, the really great companies are the ones who take that feedback, they internalize it, and they make their company better because of it. The uh, the the less than stellar companies, let's say, you know, either deflect that feedback, they don't internalize it at all, or they internalize it and then they don't change anything on the on the outside. You know. Um, in our company, you know, we have a saying that, you know, there's there's not a loss or there's not a mistake as long as you learn from it, we get better from it. You know, that that's what we believe. Um, and and it, it, it kind of goes back to that, you know, that you know, we're going to have challenges. We're going to have people who didn't think that we did the best possible thing that they wanted us to do. Right. I mean, that's going to happen in every single business across every single industry in the world. The question is, how do you take those criticisms? How do you take that feedback, internalize it? and create something better for the customer in the long run. And, and, and especially in an, in an environment like COVID, uh, I think that's really, really important for people to do. So Miles, I don't know if you wanted me to, if, if that really answered your question there, <laughs> or if you wanted me to follow up in a different way. No, I think that that's, <laughs> I'll uh, add a point in there, I think that's important. Um, especially in digital marketing, but, you know, in pretty much anything you do. And I, I feel like I say this on this show a whole lot, but um, measuring things, tracking things, analyzing everything, getting proper data back, getting proper, that's part of the feedback that you were talking about. Um, but measuring everything that you're doing and every step of that marketing funnel and throughout, that's how you can identify where the leaks are. Um, so, you know, you can tell that you're doing, you're doing great here at the top, you're doing great here at the middle, and then somewhere between step three and five, we're losing a bunch of people or we're, um, there's a misstep in there somewhere. And so that's where you can really focus your attention. 
Um, I think that a lot of attention gets misfocused and uh, maybe you don't necessarily know where to look and so you just make some assumptions and you're not getting the feedback from outside of your company and um, you know you can't really see your company from the outside you can only see it from the inside I forget what your your analogy is about the it's like you're sitting in a bottle and looking at the label from the inside and you can't see right. what everyone else is seeing from the outside um, and so you end up misapplying uh, some of your efforts, um, whether that's money or time or sanity, sometimes, um, you know, measuring, or I don't know, putting that focus in the right place, I think is all about tracking what you're doing, measuring what you're doing, making sure that you're getting that proper data back. Um, and in the world of digital marketing, that does mean a lot of analytics, making sure you have tracking codes out there, making sure, sure you are measuring who is seeing all of your ads, what they're doing afterwards, if you can follow them somehow. Um, if you do have a Facebook ad going, you've got a pixel back on your website or you know, whatever it is you're doing, make sure you're tracking everyone as they move through that funnel so that yep. you can find those leaks, patch them up and make sure that you're, you're putting your focus where it needs to be. Yeah, 100% Miles, and I'll, I'll throw one more verb here, uh, which I think ties into this, and that's listening. I think that the companies who listen the most and who understand what feedback that they're listening to from their audience the most are the most empowered to fulfill what that audience wants and achieve achieve everyone's goals. Uh, and, and, and the great news is it's easier now than ever to listen to that, that audience. And you know, and this is this is timeless though. I mean, the greatest salespeople ever have always been the best listeners. You know, we have two ears, we have one mouth. And you know, I've I've been around a lot of salespeople in my career, and it's always the ones who are the best listeners that are the most successful because they're able to uncover the true objections, they're able to uncover the true problems, they're able to uncover um, you know, the things that the actual want is, which a lot of times is not on the surface. <laughs> and it's the same thing, you know, if you take it on a, on a broader scale to a, to a full company, the companies that listen the best to their audience, that listen the best to their customers are the ones who are the most apt to adapt and to keep those customers longer, to keep them happy. And the ones who are the most bullheaded and think that they know the best and that, well, you know, if we're the ones who are really uh, you know, directing this charge and this trajectory and we'll pull them along, gosh darn it, you know, are the ones who lose. I mean, Kodak is, I don't know if it's the most famous example, but it's certainly uh, a huge example of this, you know, a company who they thought the digital revolution was a bunch of poppycock. And, you know, they thought that film cameras were going to live forever and film development was something that people were never going to get tired of doing and et cetera, et cetera. And they lost huge when they were by far the behemoth in the entire category. I mean, they were the king of the hill. And they stopped listening and they suffered and then they they absolutely collapsed and folded, you know, in, in quite a dramatic fashion. Um, so I think that that's, that's an example that all of us can take heart from, uh, even the smallest businesses. They need to be learning, they need to be listening, and they need to be adapting always because it's always a changing environment to customers' needs, customers' attitudes, and how they truly can solve the needs and the problems of the consumers. So 
seek out feedback, listen attentively, measure everything that you're doing. Am I missing anything here? I guess take to heart the feedback and try not to take it be personally. Able, be able, yeah, be able to synthesize it in a, uh, I don't know if agnostic's the right word, but in, yeah, in a uh, non-biased way and be able to then react to it and, and react more importantly back to your consumer. You know, All right. if, if you don't return feedback, then there's no loop there, right? It's just, <laughs> so, so that's, that's the uh, that's the overall uh, message I think here. Awesome. Agreed. Well, I'll take this uh, break here before we move on to our next question. I've got another one here in the hopper from the email. Uh, but just remind everyone, this is a live Q and A. So if you have any questions or you have any experience doing what we're doing here, or you want to ask Mike about golf or uh, film cameras, I don't know how we got into that. Um, <laughs> I remember taking a photography class and, and like actually developing film. I think I was probably like one of the last ones to, to do that in school. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they do that anymore. They even have that dark room and all the buckets of chemicals and everything. It's a crazy thing looking back. Anyway, uh, so this is a, a open forum discussion. So uh, leave your questions in the comments below. Um, if you're finding this later and you want to ask us a question, email us your questions, askwildman at wildmanweb.com, and we'll hit it next week, because we are doing this every week, Wednesdays at 11, live streaming to our Facebook page and to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, I feel like we get a lot of people watching on, on Facebook, but we're over on YouTube, so make sure to follow our, our channel over there too. Um, if you do want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing over here, um, or what we're talking about. We do have a whole section on our website dedicated to quick little articles. Um, these aren't textbooks. These aren't deep dives in anything. They're just sort of a shallow little dive into a bunch of different subjects uh, from SEO to Instagram to blogging to website design and development. Um, and we cite all our sources in there. So there's a bunch of links and everything. You can use that as a jumping off point to learn a lot about uh, technology and digital marketing and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we also have, if you want something that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, actively engaging, we have our toolkit available to you as well, wildmanweb.com slash LBOT. That stands for our Local Business Online Toolkit. Uh, you can sign up there and get um, access to our software. Uh, there's a bunch of tools in there to help you manage your business online, do some of the things that we're talking about, manage your social media presence, manage uh your reputation how to get involved more and see uh grab some of this feedback that maybe is happening online but you're missing out on uh, so feel free to check that out wildmanweb.com lbot other than that go ahead and ask us your questions we got the next one in the hopper here i think i'll i'll go ahead and take and then see if you have any thoughts on it mike okay. um how often should i update my website uh, actually there's two questions here i'm just going to smush them into one here it's kind of the same thing so how often should i update my website and do i need a blog yeah so there's an important differentiation to be made here it kind of depends on what platform you have your website on but um, there's two key facts that you'll have to kind of balance here um, one is that regular content updates and um, you know output and content creation is seen by the internet by search engines by crawlers by algorithms um, as a good thing. So they'll 
they'll prioritize you over other content, over other websites, if you are regularly putting out content. That's where a blog can really come in handy. Um, so if you are in a place to try to do some content marketing, you want to try to um, you know, write something down or create videos, you can do a video blog. Um, it'll take pretty much any medium here, but this allows you to, a blog allows you to get content out regularly. It can be very powerful in the world of search, um, as well as just a good way to engage with your customers and with your audience off of social media in a place that you control entirely how all the engagement happens and uh, how they're seeing everything. And you're not just surrounded by a bunch of other distracting things. It's just you and your content. So do I need a blog? No, I'm not going to go that far. But if you're in a place where you're thinking about actually doing some content creation, then a blog can be a really good way to get it out there. Um, you're not going to grab a bunch of new people that way, most likely. You know, they're going to have to go to your website expecting this content, looking for this content, looking for you. Um, that's where social media can really come in handy is when you're putting out this content. And then you're probably going to be able to reach some new people, some new groups of people, new demographics, new um, parts of your future audience, and then hopefully push them back to your website or something else that you own. Um, but that is different from updating your website. So if you don't have a blog, you just have a home page there, um, or you have, you know, home, about, contact, the basic, you know, website pages there, just updating those needlessly can actually hurt you especially depending on what kind of platform you have. If you have just a, a flat HTML site, then um, algorithms and, and, and search engines probably aren't even going to notice that you make the update. So it's not really hindering you there. But if you have a content management system like, uh, like WordPress or something like that, and you're continually going in and changing pages, making little tweaks here, updating this on your main static pages, um, that's just going to reset the clock every time. Um, it will make your site load faster. It'll open it up to certain, uh, you know, security and weaknesses. Um, and search engines aren't going to like it. Other algorithms aren't going to like it. Browsers aren't going to like it. It causes, um, you'll notice sometimes after you make an update to your website, if you go to your website on a fresh browser or something, it won't load quite properly or something will look really weird or something's completely off on the side or your style's all gone, all your colors and fonts are all gone because it didn't load a style sheet properly. Um, there's just a number of problems that are going to happen if you were doing that a whole lot, especially if you have a large site too. So if you have a, a big, huge WordPress site and there's not a blog on there, just a bunch of pages, and you're updating those pages and adding pages and making changes to it all the time, you are shooting yourself in the foot all day, every day. Stop it. Blogs are built to be updated and built to have content added to them uh, frequently. So they're actually structurally built different than the other pages on your website. Again, talking about like a, a content management system, if you have a WordPress site or something like that. They're actually functionally, structurally built different than the other pages of your site, and they're meant to be updated, whereas the other ones are kind of meant to be this, to, to stay the same. Not to say you should never change it, but um, don't view updating the main pages of your website as your content marketing strategy. Again, you're just throwing an, an, a, a wrench in the works there. Um, so if you want to do something regular, you want to do, um, you want to keep your site fresh and do regular updates, put new stuff out there, that's where you might want to look at 
having a blog, or maybe you don't want to do a blog, maybe you do that on your social media, you do on, that on your Facebook, but don't just continually, needlessly update your website. No one's going to like that, and it's going to it's going to do more harm than good. Uh, so that was my take on that on that question. Um, again, the question was, how often should I update my website, and do I need a blog? So yeah, I took those two different ways. Mike, did you have any thoughts on on those questions that you wanted to address? I think they should update their website all the time, and they should hire us to do it, Miles. Um, no, <laughs> serious, seriously, though, I, I don't have an opinion on the on the website. I think it yet. Yeah, totally depends on the, the internal factors of the business. But I, I do have some thoughts, maybe even some new thoughts about blogging, Miles. Uh, so I'll, I'll share those. Uh, I do think the blogging is underrated. And, and let me back up for a second. I think that everybody has to have a content creation strategy. And so the first thing we have to do is be uh, self-aware and figure out, you know, am I good at speaking? Am I good on video? Or am I good at, at writing? You know, generally people are in one or two of those categories. The, the really, really bright ones are, are that that's certainly not me. Uh, but writing for a lot of people is their strength. And blogging has become, I think, a little bit underrated. And I think that copywriting in general, and, and we've alluded to this a little bit on the show, but let me dive in here, I think is the secret sauce. And copywriting can take a so-so campaign to a great campaign and vice versa. And so if you're able to write and you're able to produce a large amount of content through writing, that also becomes uh, a jumping off point for all kinds of other content creation. And so if I was, uh, you know, let's, let's say I, I hated being on video and I didn't like talking, but I loved writing, I would create blogs and then I would maybe, you know, uh, hire somebody who was a great speaker to create podcast episodes out of that and hire somebody else who, you know, turn that, that some of those copy points into short, you know, Instagram videos or something like that. Uh, and so it's a great way to be able to develop a lot of other, not only marketing and advertising uh, pieces, but just content pieces in general, if you're able to write, I mean, generally great writing is what is holding back all the other <laughs> forms of content out there. And I think it's one of the things that has gone by the wayside as video has jumped clearly to the forefront. Uh, and now, you know, as I've been arguing, I guess for a little while now, voices is on its heels. But to me, you can't have great video and you can't have great voice without great ideas. And, and that comes first, I think, from great writing and great copywriting and understanding the message and honing in the message and making it uh, really palpable to your audience. To me, it's a really, really important thing. And even though it's not really hot right now and you know all the algorithms aren't like, oh, blogs, um, I think that uh, it is really important. Uh, and like, like I said, not a lot of people are doing it right now. So, you know, if you do, uh, if you are putting out a lot of uh, content, like some, on something like medium.com, which is a great platform uh, for bloggers, uh, you can get that stuff shared and really, you know, increase your, your click count, your traffic count, uh, excuse me, your traffic count uh, to your articles, to your blogs, and to your websites uh, through something like that. So I think it's certainly something uh, that we need to be taking a lot more serious probably than a lot of us are. Yeah, and there is the technical side there as well. Um, again, 
algorithms kind of like this stuff, uh, search engines like to see that regularly updated content. Um, and I did want to hit another, I realized I might not have um, completely understood this question. So I'll take it two ways of how often should I update my website? I was looking at it as the website content um, or you know, you want to switch out a picture on your website or change how the homepage looks or something like that. But then you hit a, a point there of update the website as in, you know, completely refresh it, maybe redesign it, rebuild it. So that has a completely different answer here. Um, it still has the same kind of downside if you um, if you are doing a full redesign, full redevelop there. Um, search algorithms really don't like that. They're going to see that as a major change. And if you're not careful and you don't do it properly, then you can drop in the rankings when you make that kind of an update. Uh, so make sure you're consulting with a, a an SEO professional or um, a, an agency like ours or something like that, um, or really doing your reading before doing a major update like that, um, just to make sure you're not losing any progress that you've made up to this point. You're not losing those rankings. But as far as a full redevelop, I mean, websites generally now, they don't have a super long lifespan. Uh, so if you haven't really done a major uh, revamp of your site in the last five years, then you might want to start thinking about doing something. Um, if you have a 10-year-old website, then you needed to be thinking about this yesterday. Um, the things that they just like everything else, they don't last forever. Um, hopefully, if you build a good one, it will last a long time and it will be updatable, extensible, scalable as things do change, as browsers change, as uh, devices change. Um, you know, the new iPhone comes out, it'll properly display itself on those things so that you don't have to completely start from scratch when something like that happens. But yeah, I, I think that's probably about the timeline there. Most websites now, five or six years is probably going to be their, their lifespan, maybe eight years for a good one. Um, but if you're, yeah, if you have a 10-year-old website, then you really need to be looking at a, a major revamp, if not just to start from scratch, redesign at this point. Um, and if you are kind of approaching that four, five, six-year mark uh, since you had your website done, then uh, you should probably be thinking about at least a major refresh, if not getting this thing uh, you know, rebuilt and uh, redesigned on, on a modern platform. So things really do change a whole lot in the digital space. I mean, if you just remember where uh, where was technology five years ago, 2015, where was it in 2010? I think we mentioned last uh, on the show last time, this stuff is, it moves so fast. Back in 2010, I think I had a, a flip phone. That's when the Razor was popular. There were smartphones weren't really, uh, I guess they were around, but they definitely weren't the force that they are now. Uh, whereas now, like 80 plus percent of uh, internet browsing is done on a smartphone or on some sort of mobile device. So that's a completely different, I mean, just look at the difference between your laptop, your desktop computer, and your mobile phone screen. Like that's just a completely different playing field. Uh, so if you haven't made an update to your website in the last five years or something, I mean like a major update, not just, you know, you changed around some colors or something, um, then you should probably be thinking about it along those that uh, the generally that timeline, again, four or five, six years, should probably be thinking about a revamp. Just wanted to throw that in there, and I, as I, I didn't really hit that, and that could have been what they meant in this question. Yep. Well, Miles, should, should, I, uh, should I share some exciting news with the viewers out there that we have for them? 
please. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, this is uh, this is pretty exciting, and we are we're getting ready to launch uh, something that I think is is going to be really beneficial for the small business community uh, here when we're only offering it here here in Douglas County. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to our wild woman Anna because she is she is the uh, the queen behind the scenes that makes everything happen here at Wildman Web Solutions. And she just sent this over to me. It was something we've been working on for weeks uh, here, and it's the Wildman Sales System. And you're gonna be hearing more about this coming next week. We're gonna fully unveil it for you all. But this is gonna be, a, a, basically it's a, it's a program for lack of a better term that small businesses can take advantage of where we combine all of our years and years and years of doing this uh, with all of our tools that we've developed here at Wildland Webinars in order to help small businesses. And so basically what we did was we took all of the problems and you know the, the things that we've seen fail over the years of working to help small businesses grow. And we then took a bunch of our tools and a bunch of the things that we have here uh, in our war chest uh, to prevent those things from happening. And we've combined it all together. We've synthesized it into one program. We call it the Wildman Sales System for Small Businesses. And this thing is A to Z. It is a full deep dive first in your entire business. And we walk through everything that goes on in your business, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And we figure out where your good points are, where your bad points are, and what we need to accentuate. And then we come up with a sales system around that in order to help you sell more in your business. But not only that, retain those customers and grow your business for the long haul. This is not a short-term get-rich-quick scheme. This is how you set yourself up for 365 days of the year of success moving forward. And we're really, really excited to offer this. It's only going to be available uh, for five businesses to start out because it's going to be really labor-intensive. On our part, we're going to train your staff and we're going to do a total deep dive here. And uh, it's only going to be category exclusive. I'm excited about it. Uh, like I said, it's going to be uh, uh, opening up next week. We'll have an official announcement. Check out our social media pages uh, for more information on this. Uh, and our website will be up there very, very soon as well. But Miles, I just uh, I couldn't keep the genie in the bottle any longer. And I just wanted to share that with the people. Awesome. Yeah, we have been working on this for for quite some time. So it's really excited to exciting to be able to actually roll this out and uh, you know start really offering it to people. Um, you know, we've been sitting on it for I don't know how long weeks at this point, trying to get this thing really really polished up and just everything that you need and nothing that you don't need kind of thing distilled solution for everything. So um, if you're interested or if you know anyone that could be interested in that, like Mike said, we'll be rolling out some more details here um, over the course of the next week or so on our social media. So make sure to follow us at Wildman Web. Um, that's on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is you like to do. Um, or just go to our website. You can email us at any point, bewild at wildmanweb.com. Um, and we will, uh, yeah, like I said, more coming soon. Okay, so with that, um, I think we're, we're to the bottom of our questions here. So um, if you have anything else you want us to talk about, uh, if you have any questions on anything, throw your questions in the comments um, or email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com and we'll get to your questions next week on Ask Wildman as we are streaming this every week, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. to our Facebook page and YouTube channel. So 
um, if you like what we're doing here, you think that this content is useful to you, um, or I don't know, you're just fun to look at, uh, then like and share this video. Let us reach more people, answer more questions, and be more of a resource to uh, business owners in our community, I hope. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to close down for the week, uh, and we'll talk to you all next week. Mike, thanks for your time. Well, first of all, Miles, I got to get my master's picks out there. Oh yeah, please. We forgot. Jeff, we forgot right, about yeah, the Jeff right now in the comments. I'll, I'll, because we have a little <laughs> bit of lag here before when we talk and the actual folks hear it. So, I will, uh, I'll give Jeff a minute to put his his pick in the comments, and I will, uh, I'll. Uh, filibuster. So I think that it's going to come down to experience and putting. However, my pick, my overall pick is Xander Shoffley, who is a great putter, doesn't have a lot of experience at the Masters, but I feel like last year he proved himself at Augusta and he's going to come through this year. He's going to get his first, not only his first green jacket, but his first major victory so a little bit of a bold pick there but i'm going with xander shop xander shopley where my money is uh, i think dj has got a great chance he's probably the odds on favorite uh, but he's been a little injured lately i think he had covid and stuff like that so who knows same thing with gary i love gary i love you gary gary woodland rock chalk jayhawk he's been injured though so i can't pick him this week even though i am rooting for him and jt He's got everything to win at Augusta. I'm not quite sure about that putter. I'm not quite sure about that putter. But if he gets the putter hot, look out for JT. And, of course, the wild card out there, Bryce DeChambeau, the big bomber. He is, uh, he's he's going to do a number on all Augusta National. But great to have golf and, uh, and Augusta back on the television. And we have our pick here from Jeff staying with DJ. I like the pick, Jeff. I like the pick. He almost, uh, he almost won Houston. This last week so he's uh he's coming in hot and uh i think he does have he does know what to do there at augusta it's uh it's such a special special place uh for golf fans and so we're going to revel in it this weekend and enjoy it yep, that's all i got know what you're talking about <laughs> how many skips did ron take on the pond enough you know the right amount i can tell you that that was a great shot and in uh, Rom getting those bunker lessons from uh, um, from Sevy the other day, uh, or old old sorry, uh, you know, look out for Rom too. He could do some damage, but I think he's got a little too a little too much of a temper uh, to win at the Masters just yet. He needs to get uh, probably about thirty three or thirty four, and then he'll pick up a green jacket. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna get Mike and Jeff and put them in a room somewhere and talk about their talk about their sports. Uh, the rest of All us right. have work to do. Thanks. Thanks for watching, everybody. Everybody have a prosperous week out there. All right. See you, Mike. Okay. Thank you for watching, everyone. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.